0: Previously on House of Phantods, Marina's empathic skills have intuited that Cassandra is not from this dimension, nor are the two CIA agents who attended Career Day. Hatching a scheme to give the agents a taste of their own gaslighting, the two girls agree to recruit Simone to film a fake paranormal event with the movie camera the two men gave her. We couldn't actually create the special effects for a portal in the wall through which the tentacled puppets would emerge and then pull a specter. The only way Marina could manage them was from outside a ground-floor window, which pretty much restricted our little mind movie to the kitchen because I needed an interior door for the specter. There's a door leading from the kitchen to the basement, so the kitchen it is. And instead of a portal in the wall, we figured out we could have dry ice and canister lights made out of coffee cans just outside the window. They'll be illuminating what should look like smoke from the dry ice, the red and yellow cellophane we rigged them with, producing the impression of fire and smoke. The idea being, the tentacled puppets will pull the specter through the window above the sink, making it look like a fiery portal to another world. Simone and I worked on the specter, using fabric we found at the Salvation Army. As psychic finders go, I gotta say, she's got skills for finding stuff. Went right to the bin with what we were looking for. We needed to keep the specter as lightweight as possible, since the plan was to suspend it with fish line we jacked from Emery's little workshop out back. So other than the head and upper torso, which we agreed to stuff with polyfill because it was both cheaper and more lightweight, It would consist of black and white fabric cut in strips to make it airy. Betty's idea of how to raise foster daughters to succeed in life is to give each of them a sewing machine and encourage them to make their own clothing. Unfortunately, Simone's psychic finder skills were useless in finding any dress patterns at the J.C. Penney's less than a decade old so she got real good at designing her own. All I had to do was describe the robe and mask from My Dimensions movie Scream, and she took it from there. Marina's sewing skills, on the other hand, came from needing to avoid department stores altogether. The pathologies that tend to drive people to them are just too much for the empath. Her giant tentacle puppets looked like the real deal. I was actually afraid to ask. My job was relatively easy. When shot from the right angle, it was entirely possible to make it look as though the kitchen door was closed and the specter was floating through it. All I had to do was stay out of sight and dangle the thing from the fishing pole we also jacked from the workshop. Don't tell Emery. He can get cranky. The only wrinkle in all of it was Betty. The watchful foster mother insisted on overseeing the filming of our staged haunting to make sure we didn't break the kitchen window. When she asked us what the project was for, we told her it was for Simone's A.V. Club. But the more we got into it, The more it seemed to me that girls just want to have fun, and what could be more fun than gaslighting a gaslighter? Was it Betty's presence that made everything go sideways? The puppets were working perfectly, the dry ice and canister lights creating a convincing effect of smoke and fire, and Simone was in her element working the camera. It seemed like our first episode of Operation Gaslight was going off without a hitch, until we began to smell actual smoke. What happened next is the kind of thing I'd expect to find myself writing about in my dream journal, but this was no dream. Betty had dragged the captain's chair from the library and set it adjacent to the old wood cook stove. It's the one that's been in the house since it was built. She and Emory decided to leave it in place for ambience. She sat watching us, her one eyebrow arched, proudly bemused by our little theatrical production. I had just started dangling the specter from the fishing pole when she startled us with a scream. I turned just as she shouted that the devil was coming. Her finger was shaking as she pointed at the floor around the wood stove. Emery had put in fireproof ceramic parquet tiles under and around the stove's perimeter when he redid the kitchen floor. Betty was screaming because that section of the flooring had begun to glow like a furnace. Smoke was coming up from it in tendrils that reminded me of baby squid tentacles. The weird thing about it, aside from the obvious, was that I hadn't realized till then just how much that section of flooring looks like a honeycomb. A honeycomb that was now glowing and producing smoke that reeked of sulfur. It would seem that Betty does not have the same tolerance for weirdness that we do because it was totally freaking her out. Simone turned the camera on it and got the whole thing. I was trying to wrestle Betty out of the captain's chair and get her to safety, which wasn't easy because by this point, she'd fainted. Marina had abandoned the tentacle puppets and come rushing in the back door. Just in time to see Simone film what I could swear was a dead ringer for David Duchovny. Float up through the smoke. Yes. I am saying alternate Agent Mulder appeared to be levitating like some kind of goddamn paranormal yogi above a fiery, hot, glowing honeycomb. I returned after securing Betty on the settee in the drawing room and knew the moment I saw how much smoke and heat had built up that the floor was about to give out. Whatever it was that was producing that heat was going to swallow Agent Mulder's interdimensional stunt double up with it, too. It's weird the things that go through your head when you're in the middle of a paranormal emergency. All I could think about was how I couldn't risk giving away my own alternate identity by being caught on film acting like I recognized him or the character he plays on television where I'm from. So I called him, Hey, you, as I shouted at him to get the hell out of there before the devil ate him for lunch. But it was too late. Those tentacle puppets Marina made, they were eerily accurate. The only thing they didn't do was reek of sulfur the way the ones that came up through the honeycomb did. Poor Mulder didn't stand a chance. As quickly as they appeared, they were gone. With him in their grasp, and instantly the smoke, the heat, the glowing honeycomb flooring disappeared. The kitchen looked, smelled, and felt like the kitchen it always was. A shadow in the doorway caught my eye, and I turned, half expecting to see Smoking Man, but it was Betty demanding to know what got broken. I didn't have the heart to tell her it was our grip on reality. Isn't that the whole point of gaslighting? Something tells me we're doing it wrong. So we now have a problem on our hands. Deliver the footage we shot of Lovecraft's re-envisioned X-Files? or cut it out and just show the first few seconds of our staged street theater to the CIA. True, I didn't give away the fact that I recognized Mulder, but what we got on film does make it abundantly clear that everyone in that room is now keenly aware that shit gets far more real than most of us thought it could. Is that what they're hoping to learn? that we're woke to something we can't comprehend? And then there's the more esoteric questions. Is alternate David Duchovny a tool of some demonic sea monster? Does he periodically escape through cracks in the honeycomb, but invariably get caught and returned to what must be some kind of fiery-hot, watery cephalopod hell? As Marina and Simone worked to clear away the puppets and dry ice and other paraphernalia from our aborted theatrical production, I stood staring at the hexagon flooring and pondered what I know about the shape. I'd actually been reading up on it for an essay I'd written not long ago about Mandeville's grumbling hive. The beehive's hexagon shape is considered symbolic of the omnipresence of consciousness throughout the universe. I hadn't thought to ask just what consciousness. In organized religion, it symbolizes harmony and balance. Think Star of David or the Kabbalah's Tree of Life or the runes composed by ancient tribes of northern Europe. The hexagon is even found in the structure of DNA. Where interest in the honeycomb shape takes a left turn is when you get into the mysticism of sacred geometry and number sequences. Right smack in the middle of all of it is the hexagon. The flooring in the rest of the house is your standard hardwood plank, laid when the house was built. But Emory put in the parquet tiles just a few years ago, and of all the places this particular paranormal encounter could manifest, it was there. Was it just random coincidence, or something meaningful? It's enough to give a girl the fantods. I asked Emery what made him choose the parquet flooring, and he just shrugged. He said it just came to him one day when he was trying calamari for the first time at the Mediterranean Cafe in Old Town. After that, he just kept seeing the image, sometimes in his sleep, other times it would just come to him. He ended up going to the home flooring shop down off-Broadway to see if it actually exists. What he found and installed is exactly what he'd been seeing. The most confusing part of my conversation with him about today's paranormal event in the kitchen was this. It didn't happen. There was no other explanation. Just denial that anything happened at all. Why did Betty faint? Because that's what women do. They're predisposed to a sensitivity to the phantods, which are apparently triggered by things that don't happen so enter circular thinking stage right. I find this truly mystifying. But it isn't as mystifying as what Marina observed when she rushed inside during the event that never happened, according to Emory. She said my Damon had gone from a slightly nervous, shadowy black figure sitting atop my head to an opaque, white, almost transparent, amorphous blob cowering behind my head. That's hardly the way you'd expect a guardian spirit to behave in the face of high strangeness, is it? (laughs) ¶¶ So apparently I didn't get the memo about the devil. If I had, I would have understood that staging a fake paranormal event is a sure-fire way to send an invitation to him. Also, the only thing worse than sitting through a lecture by a religious fundamentalist about the evils of inviting the devil into your home is waking up thinking you smell sulfur. Especially when you've woke from a dream where you're sticking your arm through the wall, so naturally can't feel it when you wake up. I must have still been dreaming that I was sitting here shaking my arm to get the feeling back, because it was undulating like there weren't any bones in it, like it was liquid inside. Almost like the only way you can reach another dimension is in liquid form, as if I didn't have enough to think about. I keep going back and forth between worrying about being responsible for starting the urban legend in this dimension that the house is demonically possessed to wondering if alternate Cassandra is allergic to sulfur because that smell is strong and it's making me nauseous. We'd been too busy scrubbing the kitchen walls and floor to investigate the basement space beneath the wood cook stove today, not to mention the hours of reciting magical Bible verses Betty insisted would repel the devil and his demons. And all of it seemed to focus on what they called demonic possession, which is just as likely to happen to women in this dimension as it is in mine according to the fundamentalist interpretation Betty has bought into. Oddly, most of the verses centered around how much the devil is attracted to women, so we're much more likely to become possessed. And here I was feeling so hopeful that the presence of anatomically correct sex ed puppets was an indication that things might be more forward-thinking in this dimension. It's weird that in both dimensions, fundamentalists tend to gloss over the fact that the Word of God was channeled thousands of years ago through the hands of men holding a pen, and a handful of women whose names and writings don't get mentioned much, if at all. I remember a professor in the writing program at university pointing out that anything a writer channels still has to pass through that writer's personal filters. And our filters are shaped largely by personal experience with whatever culture the writer is living at the time. Besides, who's to say the CIA hasn't been doing some interdimensional time-travel sleight of hand with some divine inspiration of its own? Do any of us really know it was God speaking to any of them? Think about that the next time you're having a friendly debate about the philosophy of time travel. Humans love to play God, especially with technology, including the humans in the intelligence industry. Hence the existence of the surveillance state. I wasn't surprised when the sulfur smell led me to the basement. After all, it's a huge, haunted house in the middle of the night, and I'm alone. Where else would it lead me? It doesn't take that much courage to explore the basement of a paranormal hot spot alone at night. Not when you're a grown woman inhabiting the body of your teenage self in another dimension. You should try it sometime, with an old-school flashlight good times. At least the light switch at the bottom of the stairs works, and the full moon shining through the window on the daylight side of the basement is an added bonus. Best I can tell, the spot directly beneath the kitchen's wood stove is in the corner where an old ringer washer stands. I know this washer. I've seen it in a dream. Weren't there alien killer robots in that dream? Between the moonlight, the electric light, and this old flashlight, I'm able to get a good look at the ceiling directly below the wood stove, and it looks pristine. There's no sign of heat or smoke damage whatsoever. As I stand staring at it, the entire area begins to ripple like a desert highway in midday heat. I blink. It's got to be these late hours and the stress of being in a 15-year-old's body during its festival of raging adolescent hormones, right? Now it's begun to undulate, like that same desert highway in an earthquake, like my arm was doing when I woke up from that dream. I blink again twice and then stare in disbelief as a large sheet of paper drops from that spot above me frozen i watch it float down and drape itself across the ringer washer it's much larger than a large sheet of paper it's more poster sized i shine the flashlight on it and recognize the familiar words i want to believe printed across the bottom it's the iconic poster from My Dimensions X-Files. Only, instead of a UFO, there's a tentacled sea monster in that spot, floating mid-air above forested hills. It's wrapped its tentacles around a man who looks a lot like Mulder. <laughs> I know I should want to run. That sound isn't coming from my imagination and it cannot be a good sign. But in the absence of screen grab and cell cam technology, I have no other option but to stand here and stare at this poster so I can commit it to memory before I run away screaming like the girl I am. So I study it like I haven't been able to make myself do with new math. And that's when I see it. In the upper left side of the poster, almost concealed by a pine tree, a dragonfly. This world doesn't have dragonflies. I checked after Marina told me, went to the library and looked it up and everything. This world does not have dragonflies, not even by another name. They don't exist here. So, why did this poster just fall from wherever, showing me a world with flying sea monsters and fictional FBI agents being watched over by a dragonfly? Two possible explanations come to mind. One, there's yet another dimension involved, one in which both dragonflies and flying sea monsters exist alongside random fictional FBI agents. Which leads to number two. The X-Files was a fictional story about an FBI agent assigned to cases involving the paranormal. Is someone or something telling me to look beyond the narrow scope of the CIA as major players in this psychodrama? Is the FBI involved too? If either one is the case, or both even, Why have I been brought to this dimension? Wouldn't it be easier to investigate it from my own? Unless it's not the differences I'm meant to pay attention to, but the similarities. And the one similarity that stands out is the presence of the same modern-day intelligence operatives from my dimension. Well, two, actually, if you count the giant. Tentacled sea monster. My last thought, before both the flashlight and the basement light went out, was that maybe what I thought was a dream wasn't a dream at all, and I'm not in the same dimension I was in when I went to bed. Which would mean Operation Gaslight the Gaslighters has backfired big time. <laughs> You've been listening to House of Fantox. If you enjoy the original creative content and long form storytelling this podcast provides, won't you please consider supporting the show on our Patreon? Follow the link in the show's info or go to www.patreon.com forward slash fantods.